today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. If he can get Christians arguing with each other, then they're so busy arguing with the saved, they're not reaching the lost. And Satan has neutered that church. He has rendered that church impotent. Perhaps we need look no further as to the reason why the church is feckless in this world today. If Satan can get you to argue with other Christians, then you can't do what God has called you to do. Too many people don't come to church because of how they see Christians acting. Today, Pastor J.D. delicately calls on you to not argue with fellow believers, but instead reach out to the lost. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Titus chapter 3 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Okay, bear with me on this because I don't know if it's possible to overstate this. Notice the specificity with which Paul writes this. I mean, this is a pretty specific set of instructions. Warn them once. Warn them twice. Do not warn them a third time. No such thing as three strikes and you're out. It's more like two strikes and you're out. Because when it happens again, after you've warned them twice, you have to deal with them decisively. That's what he's saying. After the second warning, not the third warning, we're to reject divisive people, have nothing to do with divisive people. By the way, Jesus said the same thing. It's recorded in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. Same principle, same template if you prefer. So somebody sins against you, Jesus says, you go to them one-on-one. If you don't resolve it, then you bring two or more witnesses with you, and you approach them again. And if they still don't receive it, then you take it to the leadership of the church. And if they still don't receive it, you treat them. This is the Savior speaking. You treat them as you would an employee of the IRS on April 18th. (laughs) No, that's what he said. A tax collector. Tax collectors were despised. And Jesus is saying that you're to treat them like that and have nothing to do with them? Yeah. Wow. That, That seems harsh. That seems unloving. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, it's the opposite that's true. When the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth, this carnal church, a lot of problems in this church. Get this. There was this young man that was having sex with his stepmom. And everybody in the church knew it. 
And can you believe it? They were boasting about it. What do you mean? Oh, they're like, we're so loving and accepting and tolerant. Oh, we welcome you. We don't judge anybody. And what does Paul do? He writes to them, I mean it is scathing, and rightfully so. He says, that's not love. You think you're being loving? You are not loving him. If you really loved him, you would kick him out of the church and give him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. That's love. It is? Yeah. Oh, you know that famous love chapter? 1 Corinthians 13. We love to quote it. Love is patient, kind, uh, chicken skin. You know why he wrote that? He wrote that because the Corinthians did not know what love is. They thought that was love. Paul says, that's not love. This is what love is. You know what's really interesting about that? In his second epistle to the Corinthians, it seems that the handing him over for the destruction of his flesh to Satan worked, because now he's repented. And then he has to rebuke the Corinthians again. Man, I can I just say thank you that you're not Calvary Chapel, Corinth. <laughs> you guys are just an amazing church, but I can't even imagine dealing with stuff like that. Because now he has to rebuke them because the guy comes back, he wants to be restored, he's repented. And the Corinthians are like, uh-uh, ain't going to happen, get out of here. And Paul says, what are you doing? Forgive the guy. He repented, let him back in, restore him, love on him. That's love. Not only is it loving to them, it's also loving to the church. Stay with me. If you let that go under the banner, well, well we're just loving around here. We're accepting around here. You have just given Satan a signed blank check to write in whatever amount of destruction he wants. You've just given him permission. You have to understand that Satan cannot destroy the church from without. He can do it from within. And that's how he does it. And that brings us to our fourth one in verse 11, is to remove them immediately. Here in verse 11, it seems like Paul is answering this question, and perhaps Titus was maybe second-guessing himself. Maybe there was a a lot of similarities in their temperaments and personalities between Titus and Timothy. But Paul is reassuring him with this assurance that such people have basically already sealed their fate. 
Their minds are already made up. Their fate is already sealed. Their heart is already hardened. Their minds are warped. They're already self-condemned. And I, I, can, I get that. Because there are times where we've had to, over the years, make decisions that were really hard decisions. And of course the enemy's right there going, ah, that's not very loving. There was one instance I sort of hesitate to even share as many years ago. And we had a predator here. And uh, we welcomed him. We loved on him. You never know if you're going to entertain an angel unaware. And all of a sudden he started talking to the women. And we warned him. Did the biblical approach here in Titus and in Matthew. Warned him a second time. Again, I hesitate to share this, but when it happened again, I gave the guy's instructions, explicit instructions, to get him off of this property immediately. And if he refuses, that we would have him forcibly removed. So this is, you know, pre-COVID, and we had the potluck at the time, and I came out in the kitchen, and I'm walking around, and then, you know, we had the line. In fact, <laughs> the line used to... Some of you new people are going, you did? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, the line was all the way back here, and I'm walking. I just wanted to, you know, say hi to people and, and meet people and, and give people a hug. And who do I find in the line? Him. Okay. <laughs> I went Palestinian. <laughs> Artie was here at the time. Remember that, Artie? I was yelling at you. Get out of here! Everybody's in the line going, what, who, me? No, them, him. So Artie just escorts him off the property. And afterwards I thought, this is after second service. I'm sharing this. It's not in my notes. I, I really think that maybe the Holy Spirit wants me to share this with you. Because afterwards, I, I kind of was started going through the whole, maybe I could have handled that better, and you know, these poor people, and you know, we had visitors, and you know, wow, Pastor J.D., <laughs> dude. <laughs> but then, I mean, it was, and it was, this was the Lord, to a person, people would come up to me and thank me for doing that. You know why? I know you love us, and you are ferociously protective of us. And that's a shepherd. That's a pastor. Yeah. This, not, don't clap for me. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. And that's what Paul is saying to Titus. Don't second guess yourself. You have to protect the flock of God. I have given you the oversight of the flock of God. It's on you. And if there's a wolf or a predator or somebody that poses a threat or harm or is a danger to this church, oh, you ain't seen no Palestinian yet. <laughs> yeah, I, I probably could have 
said that differently too, I guess. But no, and I mean that, and the Lord knows my heart. I love you so much. And before God and before you, you have my unwavering, unflinching commitment to protect you from anyone that walks in those doors. So help me God, if they are a threat to this church, we have ways of, <laughs> we have people, we know people. <laughs> Artie's looking at me like, okay, stop now already. If you'll kindly allow me to, I want to, for the remainder of our time together, share with you why this is such a serious issue. Why God takes this very seriously. Why Paul is writing to Titus and Timothy about this. This is a serious issue because of the ramifications. I would submit that the seriousness of this, first and foremost, is that Satan gets in and does that which he cannot do from without, and he does so within. I'll take it a step further and suggest that one of the enemy's most effective weapons and strategies and tactics is to get Christians arguing with each other. If he can get Christians arguing with each other, then they're so busy arguing with the saved, they're not reaching the lost. And Satan has neutered that church. He has rendered that church impotent. Perhaps we need look no further as to the reason why the church is feckless in this world today. To me, it's for this reason that Paul says to Timothy, the hope is they repent and escape the devil who traps them to do his will. You know, we always talk about What's the will of God? Did you know that the devil has a will too? I mean, we can do the will of God, but we also have the propensity to do the will of the devil. What's the devil's will? Oh, steal, kill, and destroy. As the author of confusion, the accuser of the brethren, and the father of lies. He hates your guts. But Jesus loves your guts. <laughs> and greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. You know, we let him get away with murder, literally in the sense that when you hate your brother or sister in Christ, you're murdering them in your heart. And Satan knows that. By the way, spoiler alert, Satan knows Scripture way better than we do. And I would even venture to say that in some respects, Satan knows you better than you know yourself. Because you know he studies you, right? The Apostle Paul writing to the Ephesian church, 
describes this imagery, very picturesque, very graphic almost, that the enemy's like this roaring lion. You know what lions do, right? They stalk their prey. They study their prey. And then in the original language of the New Testament in Ephesians 6, it carries with it the idea of a military strategist. And I have this image in my mind of, you know, those old World War II photos where they're all standing around the table looking at the map strategizing. And the image I have in my mind is the enemy and all of his demons are hovering over this table, studying and strategizing over the map of my life. And they're waiting. They're very patient. And they know when I'm vulnerable. And they know when I'm discouraged and exhausted and fatigued and tired and down. And they wait for that time. They also wait for you, me, us, to be isolated, to get alone. Because see, when you're assembled together, you're kind of protected. And it's very interesting too with the armor. I always wondered about this. I never really understood this as a young believer. You know when Paul says, above all, take ye up the shield of faith, wherewith you will be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now at first read, it would almost seem as if Paul is saying, of all of the pieces of the armor, metaphorically, the shield of faith is above all of them. That's not what he's saying. And they would have understood this, because in that day the soldier would take his shield, which by the way was dipped in water, a picture, a type of the Word of God, and they would take and take it up above all and lock tongue in groove with the soldier next to them, creating an impenetrable fortress with which to extinguish the weapons of their warfare in that day, which were these arrows that were lit on fire and then fired. And then they would hit, and here's the shield, impenetrable fortress, and it would just hit it, put it out, extinguish it, and fall to the ground. Now watch this. So you get this Christian, and he kind of leaves the, forsakes the assembling of himself, herself, together. And now they're a a sitting duck. Satan's like, go, we got him. Because he doesn't have the the fortress above all, tongue and groove, locked together. When Satan gets a Christian alone, he's got him. He's got him. And he studies us, he stalks us, he strategizes, and he waits for the optimum time. You know, I was uh, thinking about this this last week. It's, it's really chilling because, you know the account of when Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and the devil tempted him. We're only told about that one time. I don't think that was the only time the devil tempted Jesus, right? There's this one 
detail in that account that has always stuck with me, and it's in Luke's account of it. And he says that the devil left and was going to wait for a more optimal time to return. I don't want to hear that. Wait, <laughs> I just I just resisted the devil and he is fled. He's going to come back? Oh yeah. And think about this. After that, don't you let your guard down? Oh, that was close. The devil's like, okay. I'm sorry, this is, this is the way my mind is wired. And I, and I probably should have asked Artie about this before. But you know when you're uh, driving in traffic and there's a, you know, a, what they call a speed trap? And, and when you see those lights, you know, <laughs> what, what's your reaction? That means you're speeding. If you were driving the speed limit, you wouldn't have that reaction, right? Let's just be honest, we're in church. So <laughs> you come around that corner, you see that light. <laughs> right? Am I right? And then the sudden relief when you see that they've already got somebody pulled over. <laughs> Am I right? Am I right? Is it just me or do you look at them when you drive by? You're like, oh, <laughs> glad that's not me. And then you pass them and you think, wow, that was close. And you start speeding up. And there's another one. And they get you. I'm not likening police to Satan, but <laughs> you think you get the point? It's just an illustration, okay? You let your guard down. You think, wow, that was a close one. And the enemy's going, I knew he would do that. Because I study the map of his life, and I know that he does that. He thinks, man, I, that was a close one. Now, get him now, because he's not expecting it. He's not expecting that. That's the will of the devil. He wants to slither in, stealth, under the radar, covertly, and he starts his campaign, his whisper campaign. And he wants, and by the way, and again, bear with me on this. He wants to come in, and he wants to divide and conquer. And we're not just talking about the church. We're talking about in every arena of life. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The Apostle Paul wrote the book of Titus after he was released from prison. One of the themes we read about is how belief impacts the decisions you make. Paul had immense faith in God, and that even impacted his attitude in the midst of difficult circumstances. Oh, to have that kind of belief. If you haven't yet found a church home, we'd like to encourage you to make that a priority. A church family can be a source of comfort and support and, most importantly, faithful prayer warriors. Church is a place you can serve and encourage others, too. 
If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to join our church family. At Calvary Chapel Kaneohe, we meet on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings, as well as his Mideast Prophecy Updates, an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this time in our world. You can also find Pastor J.D.'s ABCs of Salvation there. This is a great tool to share the simplicity of the gospel message with friends and family. Again, that website is calvarychapelkaneohe.com. As we continue to study wisdom from the book of Titus with Pastor J.D., we hope you've been encouraged to live out your faith in a new way. We encourage you to keep diving deeper into the Word, and we hope you'll join us next time right here on In Spirit and Truth. 